single, don't be getting no revelations right now. Thinking, praise God for this seat, Lord, and the person next to me. No, no, no. All right, Father, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy, and we thank you for this, this day. Lord, your, your mercies are new every day, and as we stand before you, Lord, there are, uh, we, we need your grace today. We need your mercy today. We need your, um, your resurrection power today. God, we look to you to uh, lead us and guide us. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together and to worship you. Uh, and uh, we look forward to all that you have uh, this day and each day. God, um, uh, you're the one who makes the way where there seems to be no way. So make a way, oh God, for those in need. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat if you would, please. <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> Everybody say hope. hope. You know, the news today is very troubling. Uh, sometimes I watch the news and um, I don't know if it's more the local news that just gets me. I, I, I watch the news and it's like one story after another after another. And I remember it was maybe a couple weeks ago I was watching the news and after just three or four just, just real tough um, reports, I went, to, I can't, no, I don't want to watch this anymore. I mean, I want to know what's going on, but it's like just boom, and then this person, and there's a murder here, and this happened here, and I'm like, you know what, turn it off. You know, you, you see that, and you think, man, I know that that's not all that happens in our society, but, you know, when you look on a, on a worldwide level, you, you see things that are happening, and, and it's, it's kind of like, wow. I mean, what's going on? I, I, I don't know if you're aware that, that on what we call uh, Palm Sunday a week ago, there were 39 Coptic Christians in Egypt that went to worship God and to just, you know, uh, give that expression of worship. And 39 of them uh, lost their lives. Um, and ISIS, of course, I mean, could you imagine growing up knowing what ISIS is? I mean, knowing some of these, these you know, Al-Qaeda, I mean, even knowing these things. And ISIS came, you know, of course, they took responsibility for this, this tragedy, and, and they said that their, uh, their, their, uh, let me make sure I say it right, uh, Christians are our favorite prey, is what they said. <clears throat> uh, tensions worldwide, uh, now even between America and Russia, you know, as, as, some, as some of the, our, our officials have been saying, you know what, it's as bad as it's ever been. And you go, whoo, uh, chemical warfare, chemical attacks happening in Syria, Tomahawk missiles slamming into some of those base, air bases where they took off, um, uh, just things that are, that are happening in the world. And you just kind of go, wow, it's kind of crazy. And, and then in America, it, it just seems like there's... Every day there's another report about a new division that we have in America. I mean, we're so, you know, we're, we're supposed to be so united in one nation under God, and we're so divided on so many fronts. And, you know, you look at that and you think, man, where is all of this madness headed? Not to mention the fact that just the things that happen in our own lives the things that we're dealing with. And some of, you, some of you today, you know, it may have taken everything within you just to come to church. And somebody, you know, I saw, I look, I saw a few of you when you came in, you have that I've been dragged here by a friend look on your face. And I want you to know it's okay. It's all right. But I also know there are many here that might be going through maybe just the toughest time of your life where you're just kind of looking ahead going, man, where is my life going? How is this going to turn out, this situation that I'm in? God, how is this, this, this what I'm sensing, what I'm feeling, how is this grief going to be lifted up off of me? Well, um, <clears throat> I want to tell you that you've come to the right place this morning. Thank you for that spontaneous little smattering of amens. <laughs> Amen. You know what? The Bible has much to say about hope. It really does. Uh, in the New Testament, there's the, the, the basic description is favorable and confident expectation. Favorable and confident expectation. And when the Bible talks about hope, it, it talks about hope not only for things that we see and things that we expect, but things that we cannot see. Hope 
for things that we cannot see. In fact, I would, I would tell you that that's probably the, 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 the crux of the definition of hope in the New Testament in particular. It is, it is hope and expectation for things that you cannot see. And a part of that is the future. Hope for the future. I mean, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but if I can have, if I can have hope for the future... And believing that somehow something good's going to happen, if I can have hope for the future, I can't see the future, but maybe that will help me to have a little something to get through today. Am I right? Is that, if you can look beyond that, there's a Bible verse in Romans chapter 8 verse 24 that says this, for in this hope we are saved. Now hope, that is seen is not hope. Isn't that interesting? The Bible says, hey, if you can see it, it's not really hope. I mean, it's right there. You, 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 that's, that's not really hope. And it says, for who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I think that's a perfect summary of, of, of hope. Well, I had an old friend, uh, he's since gone on to be with the Lord, uh, a man that mentored me in my, my young days as a believer. You know, it's kind of funny. I talk about those days and I feel like I'm still in my young days as a believer. But uh, this man um, uh, was an atheist. Uh, he didn't really believe in God. And uh, he told me uh, as he became a follower of Christ, as he looked back in his life, and he said, you know, you know I, I loved Christmas, even when I wasn't even a follower of Christ. I loved it. And he said, one time I remember looking at just a Christmas tree and all the festivities, and, and, and he said to himself, you know what, man, what a great concept. Too bad it isn't true. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah, well, he messed around and became a believer in Jesus. Maybe you might be familiar with this author, Tim Keller, who says this, which is, I think is a profound thing. He says, on Easter, I always say to my skeptical secular friends that even if they can't believe in the resurrection, they should want it to be true. Most of them care deeply about justice for the poor, alleviating hunger and disease, and caring for the environment, yet many of them believe that the material world was caused by accident and that the world and everything in it will eventually simply burn up in the death of the sun. They find it discouraging that so few people care about justice without realizing that their own worldview undermines any motivation to make the world a better place. Why sacrifice for the needs of others if in the end nothing we do will make any difference? Oh, that's something, something to ponder. Well, as followers uh, of, of the book, the Bible, we believe uh, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here today. That's why we're here every day. We believe that, uh, well, not every day. That's why we come together all the time. That's why we're here as, as believers, because we believe. Uh, uh, we believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the second greatest event in all of history. The second greatest event. There's another one that hasn't happened yet, but we'll talk about that later, maybe. You think about the last 2,000 years of history, politics, uh, uh, the, the, the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ has, has affected nations, uh, both large and small. There uh, really are only uh, a relatively small number of people groups that have never heard the gospel message, the story of, of Jesus Christ, and many of those tribes or, or, or people groups have, 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 have heard the gospel, but not in a way that a missionary would go and send, uh, send the good news to them. Uh, billions and billions of people have experienced life-giving, healing, forgiveness, and freedom offered by God through Jesus Christ, uh, who, who caught, we believe conquered the grave and, and, and is alive today. Uh, we, we believe in a living God, uh, uh, not a God who, well, we sure hope he's there. And, you know, we believe when we pray that he actually hears us. All right. Um, Josh McDowell is a, a prolific author, and uh, he started off to disprove uh, Christianity. And this is what he said. Everything that Jesus taught, lived and died for depended on one thing, his resurrection, his burial and his ascent. His resurrection and then his ascension. My conclusion was, 
if I can show that Christ did not raise from the dead, then my case was won against Christianity, but I was unable to do it. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Lee Strobel story. Lee Strobel was, the, uh, uh, was an investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune years ago, and uh, he um, set out to disprove Christianity, and he went on this long search about the resurrection because he determined in using that great investigative journalist mind that if, if I could disprove the resurrection, then I know that this whole thing uh, I, I can I can kind of pull the air out of Christianity, and he studied it, and you know became a follower of Christ, and has a worldwide ministry. But there's a movie out on his life called The Case for Christ. I highly recommend it. There's one line in the movie that says this: "Debunk the resurrection, and the whole thing falls like a house of cards." And it's true. It's true. Well, Paul the Apostle, the scripture we're going to look out today. Um, had much to say about the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of believers. This man made three major missionary trips, and along the journey he established many churches of the 27 books of the New Testament. No less than 12 of them were written by Paul to these church plants or these missionary churches uh, that he had established. There's one particular group of people in a church called Corinth, the ancient city of Corinth, um, that had major theological issues, uh, not to mention uh, they had major personal issues. I mean, I mean, the, the, they they were they were like, whoo, man, they were, you know, they had come from 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 the deep deep in, in pagan idolatry and all kinds of, and, and then they had gotten born again and come into the church and and it was crazy, it was crazy. I don't know, kind of sounds like church today, huh? You're like, hey, it kind of sounds like living grace. Yeah, amen. Well, anyway. Um, and so uh, there was some confusion going on amongst the believers about the resurrection and, and, and the resurrection of the believers. And some of them had believed the resurrection had already come. Wait, you know, no, man, you didn't hear? Yeah, man, the resurrection happened. You and I got left behind, dude. What? Uh, and they're like, no way. And Paul's sort of addressing this, but he addresses, addresses it from the standpoint of, G, of the resurrection of Jesus. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, uh, 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 verse 1 and then 3 through 4. By the way, we had a wonderful time this morning at our sunrise service. Some of you I see are repeat customers. You've come back for, for more. Uh, just a great, great time. It's, it, and it, wasn't, it, was, it was nice. And, and we got the wing tip from the Staberskis. That's always nice as he flies overhead, you know. We, we couldn't book the Thunderbirds, but we got better. We got, they got the Staberskis, and they always come by, and uh, wonderful time this morning. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay, get back to it. First Corinthians 15. Paul the Apostle says this, uh, Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you. Before, you welcomed it then, uh, and you still stand firm in it. And, and, and here is the good news. We call it the gospel. Verse 3, he says, I passed on to you that which is most important and what you also, uh, and what had also been passed on to me. And here it is. Here's the gospel message. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried, uh, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just like the scriptures said. Now, if you don't know anything about Paul the Apostle. His name was Saul, and he was a persecutor of the church. He was what we would call a, an ancient terrorist. Uh, he, uh, he made it his mission to destroy this group of people called the way, the church, and uh, uh, it was his mission in life to, to get rid of this whole Jesus movement. Well, he got a little too close and actually met Jesus, uh, and uh, he became a follower, and, and, and he becomes Paul the Apostle, and the rest is history. But here's what he says. This is most important. Here's the gospel message. First of all, Christ died for our sins, okay, according to the Scriptures, or just as the Scriptures have said. And whenever you hear that, that means that was written about in the Old Testament, ancient times. So that was predicted, forecasted, 
prophesied that the Messiah would come and die. Isaiah 53 mentions that. Okay, so he, was, he died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised on the third day, just as the Scripture has said. Remember, the church in Corinth has got these issues with the resurrection, and he says, let me break it down to you, okay? Christ died for our sins, uh, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. Just as the scripture of says a little bit further down, he goes on and he says in verse five, he was seen. Here are the witnesses. And there are others that aren't mentioned here. He says he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. So in other words, if you got any questions, you could go ask them because they saw him too, all at the same time. All right. Uh, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last, as though I have been born at the wrong time, I saw him also. So remember, he's giving the evidence for the resurrection. And he says, church, let me just remind you that Jesus rose from the dead and there's all kinds of people you can talk to who saw him alive, including 500 people at one time. Okay, so that's his case. And so the first thing I want you to see this morning is we serve a living Lord. Everybody say a living Lord. Paul goes on to say, if Christ hasn't raised from the dead, he goes, let me just kind of mention this to you guys. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but but if Jesus hasn't raised, if he's not alive right now, we got major issues, folks. We got major, this is 2,000 years ago. He's saying, no, understand this. And he goes on. Um, If he has not been raised from the dead, he says, the preaching of the disciples is useless. Your faith is useless. And in the Amplified Bible means it's devoid of truth. It's fruitless. It's without effect, empty, imaginary, and unfounded. Okay? Uh, If Christ hasn't risen from the dead, the apostles are lying about God. Then Christ has not been raised from the dead. Then your faith is useless. You're guilty in your sins. All who die. You know, when you go to those funerals and you talk about the hope of the resurrection, no. If Christ hasn't risen from the dead, all those who have died are lost. And then he says, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Amplified Bible, of all people, most miserable and to be pitied. That's what he says. He goes, are you serious? He goes, Church, Corinth, listen to me. If Christ hasn't risen from the dead, that changes everything. And he says, you know what? Just to make it real clear, you know what? We are to be pity. We're foolish. I mean, that makes no sense is what he is saying to them. And he's saying, church, we serve a living Lord. He's not dead. So that's the basis for the resurrection. Everybody say a living Lord. Now, because we have a living Lord, we have a living hope. Not just hope, but a living hope. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, Paul goes on and he says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone uh, dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there's an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Okay, let me kind of break this down to you, right? We are all tethered to either Adam or Christ. Everyone. Adam, you know the story. Garden of Eden. God says, don't eat from this tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? And just like we do, humans, all of us, I know what you're thinking. Man, if I was in that garden and God said, don't eat of that tree, I would have never ate of that tree. Yes, you would have. You'd have been right up there with me chomping on that guava or whatever it was. I don't know what it was. Apple, who knows, okay? That's just our nature. It's what we do. We have a tendency to rebel. 
We're born with it. It's in our DNA. God says, don't touch it. We go, why not? <laughs> little children, no disrespect to little children. We were all little kids, but it's just what we do as little kids, right? Mama says, don't go past that line. What do we do? We go, why not? And we get, but, <laughs> you know, we, nothing happened. That's because mama didn't see. Ah. So, you know, they took of the fruit and sin entered the world and death and hurt and pain and suffering and weeds and nature went like that. So everyone who's ever been born is either in Adam, which is all those things, or you're in Christ. That's why he's called the second Adam. He has come to deliver us from the death that we all suffer through the first Adam. Are you tethered to Adam or are you tethered to Christ? Paul goes on in his argument and says, on the other hand, let me just kind of get back to what I said before about if Christ hasn't risen from the dead. He says in verse 30, and why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? He says, let me just kind of remind you again. Why am I going through all this? If Jesus hasn't risen from the dead then man, I'm, this is crazy. I'm fighting literally people like wild beasts in Ephesus. Why would I do that? And he goes on and says this, and, and this, is, this is the bottom line. He says, and if there's no resurrection, let's feast, drink, for tomorrow we die. And you know what? That's true. Because if there's no resurrection, nothing else matters. Why would you just not go out in a big party, a blaze of glory? Because it doesn't matter. Why not? Why, you know, work out and keep your body together and watch what you eat and not drink or not this? Why, why would you do any of that? Why would you, as Tim Keller says to his friends, why would you help anybody else out? Hey, dude, it don't matter. Right? I'm going to get all the fun out of this life that I can get. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to party like it's 1999, then I'm going to die. Because I'm going to die anyway. And none of it matters. Why are you wasting your time helping all those people? You should keep all that stuff for yourself. Because it doesn't matter. Now that sounds fatalistic. But that's how many people live their lives. It's just, it's just, I just want to, the chief end is to have fun and to not go through any pain and another suffering. No suffering. Here's the problem though. Pain and suffering come anyway. <laughs> it don't matter how, you could try to, you could try to party every night and you're still going to have pain and suffering. It's still going to come. And so Paul the Apostle says, listen man, if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, let's just have a big old feast. Let's just eat. Let's just eat. Let's just eat. And you know what? Then let's drink. And then let's drink some more. And then let's really drink. <laughs> right? Might as well. Because you know what? Tomorrow we die. Woo! Are you glad you came this morning? Uh. Now he says, here's something to look forward to. It is, verse 42, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to life forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. Can you say amen to that? They are buried as natural human bodies. They will be raised as spiritual bodies. We have a living Lord, and because we have a living Lord, we have a living hope. We have a living hope, folks. You know what? This, this isn't the end. There's a resurrection that's going to happen. Paul the Apostle says, go back to the tomb. It's empty. The resurrection's real. Jesus is alive. And that same resurrection can happen in your life too. 
It can happen. All right? So we have a living hope, not a dead hope, man. I sure hope, like, like you know what? I sure hope all this is true, man, because if not, I'm, I'm just missing. I, I don't know. I, no, it's true, Paul says. It's true. And so we have a living dynamic. Everybody say a living dynamic. Here's where we shift gears. He says in verse 51, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. Folks, I have done my share of funerals. I have. I have done funerals that have been absolutely agonizing. And I tell you what, I, I'm not going to lie at a funeral. <laughs> you got to tell the truth. And the reality is everybody wants to believe that that person, whomever they are, has gone on to someplace greater and hopefully heaven when that time comes. That person can, can live their life any old way they want to. But at the end, everybody wants to hear the preacher man say they've gone on to be with Jesus face to face. Everybody. There's something better. They're in a better place. No more pain, no more suffering. Paul the Apostle says, For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And that's those who are in Christ, not those who are in Adam. This is a living dynamic. And we who are living will be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. Because of what Adam did, there is sin, and the end result of sin is death. Physical death and spiritual death or separation from God. The law gives sin its power. Then he shifts gears in verse 57. Here's the living dynamic. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Here's the secret. There's going to come a time when Jesus Christ is going to come back. Those who are still walking on this earth will be caught up together. We call it the rapture and meet the Lord in the air. How fun will that be, right? That's the ultimate experience, the ultimate thrill ride, but it can only happen once. Okay? And those who are in the grave, those who have gone on, those who have died, will be resurrected. They'll be caught up in the air and they will meet us with Him. And we'll live together forever. The resurrection of the believers. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But guess what? It doesn't stop there. There's more to it. We're going to experience a resurrection as well. As well as those that you love and those that you care about that have passed away and have, give, and have followed the Lord Jesus and have given their life to Him. That's why there's going to come a time when death will die. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death has no... Death is an enemy. Every time. It's an enemy. But there's going to be a time where death will be no more. And so Paul says, thank God. Let me read it to you in the Amplified Bible. He says, verse, uh, verse uh, 57, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, here's, here's the living dynamic. We celebrate Christ risen from the dead. That's awesome. You know what? That's a wonderful thing. But guess what? That translates to how we live today. It's not just a celebration of what happened 2,000 years ago. It's a celebration of the resurrected Christ every day in my life because it determines how I live. Because of this truth, I believe that my life should be lived differently and my life should change. So Paul the Apostle says, My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, 
always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than is needed, being continually aware that your labor... Listen, some of you are tired this morning, not just because it's relatively early. It's not. But some of you are you, you, you're, you're exhausted from life. Uh, it, it, it's been a tough season for you. Even to the point of exhaustion. Paul says, but your labor in the Lord is not futile nor wasted. It's never without purpose. I, he's talking about what we do for the Lord, but I also believe that can apply to just my experiences in life and the heaviness and the hardship and the things that I go through. Don't give up. We have no reason to give up. Jesus conquered sin and death. Verse 58, if we really believe it, should characterize how we live our life. And it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than is needed, being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion in the Lord, is not futile nor wasted. It is never without purpose. Worship team, could you guys come up? If you, come on out or come on up if you're not already back there, please. Ah, never wasted. No hurt, no pain, no point of exhaustion. Why? It's not without purpose because Christ rose from the dead. I have a living Lord. And because I have a living Lord, I have a living hope. And because I have a living hope, I have a living dynamic that's, that's active in my life every day. Let me just share this one last scripture verse with you. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It says this. It says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. When did he give us life? When he raised Christ. When did he give us life? God is rich in, he's so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much. Past tense. He loved us so much. Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ. When did he give us life? 2,000 years ago, he gave us life. That's not all. It is by God's grace that you've been saved. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus today, right? Listen, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and his resurrection power in our life today as well. He says, it is only by God's grace that you've been saved for. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because you are united to Christ. That's a living dynamic for today. Let me just tell you why verse 7 says, So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Why did God do all this? Why? So that he could point to you for eternity as an incredible example of his grace and kindness. Throughout all of eternity, you'll be the object lesson. It's like God will call all the angels together and say, everybody, come here, come here, come here an unlimited number of angels I'm out Boom. hey hey did I tell you guys about the church and they'll go yes they're the example of your unlimited wealth and grace 
Yeah, did I tell you that? They're amazing. Go look at them. Look at my church. Look at my people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then I don't know, a billion years later, hey guys, come here, come here, come here, come here, right, come here. Did, did I tell you about the church? Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 the, they're, they're, they're the example, they're the object lessons of your incredible wealth, grace, and kindness. Yeah, we know, we know. Yeah, yeah. Aren't they awesome? It's amazing. It's amazing, God, what you, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, a trillion years later, hey guys, come here, come here. Did I tell you about the church? Look at them. They're, 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 you want to know about my love and my grace? You know, you're the only, exa- you're the only picture of God's grace poured out like that. God doesn't have grace on angels, but he does you. You'll be the object lesson. I know what you're thinking. Man, I'm all messed up. I'm jacked up, man. I get, man, you don't even know me, man. No, I know, I know about you because I'm, I'm like you. I understand. And you know, you fail, you, 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 you say things and you, you've made mistakes, you've You've, you've given up and you've turned your back on God then you've run back to him then you've turned your back I understand all that you know who knows it better? God yeah but he still called you he still drew you let me, let me give you this this quote again from Tim Keller I'll, I'll read it again it says on Easter I always say to my skeptical secular friends that even if they can't believe in the resurrection they should want it to be true Most of them care deeply about justice for the poor, alleviating hunger and disease, caring for the environment. Yet many of them believe that the material world was caused by accident and that the world and everything in it will eventually simply burn up uh, in the death of the sun. They find it discouraging that so few people care about justice without realizing that their own worldview undermines any motivation to make the world a better place. Do you all have that picture from the tomb? I don't know if you got that off of Evernote. If you do, would you put that up, please? He goes on, Why sacrifice for the needs of others if in the end nothing we do will make any difference? Ah, this is the last sentence that he said. If the resurrection of Jesus happened, however, that means there's infinite hope and a reason to pour ourselves out for the needs of the world. Ah, now I get it. Now I get it. Now I get it. We got a closing song that we want to sing. And so, um, join in if you know it.
particular religion, but maybe you, you've never experienced that closeness, um, that, that relationship. This is what it's all about right here. Uh, if, if you believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose from the dead, then, then you, you might want to believe that he did that for you and, and that, that there's a purpose in it for you. And that's his love and his want, wanting to be in relationship with you. Um, I want to say a quick prayer, and if, if, there's, um, if there's a response that you want to make, can I have our prayer team come up while I'm 
while I'm um, uh, praying. Just make your way up here, guys. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the, your amazing grace. Thank you that you, you, you've lavished and poured out your grace and your mercy upon us. And we celebrate that today, Lord, that we are uh, imperfect beings. We're messed up people in a messed up world. But Jesus, you bring some sanity to our hearts, even in the midst of some tough times. You give us hope where there is no hope, Lord. Lord, that, that tomb, uh, it, it, to the outsider, it was a place of death. The cross was a place of failure, a place of, of the end, a period. Uh, uh, but, but, Lord, for you, it was just, it, it, was, it was the next step to the resurrection. That the cross was a place of glory and the tomb, a place of death, was a place of life. And that's what you do, oh God. And so, um, this morning, if you in your heart would say, you know, I need Jesus in my life. I, I, I don't really know all the answers. I really can't. I can't, uh, I can't quote a lot of Bible, maybe not any Bible verses, but I just know in my heart that that's, that's what I need this morning. God, God's, God's been working on me, and this is just a confirmation. There's, I'm agreeing with something deep within me that's saying, I need Jesus in my life. And Would you lift up your hand that I could pray with you? I just want to give you that opportunity. If anybody at all would just say, yeah, that's me. Anyone give you that chance to, to, to say yes to the Lord this morning? Make that confirmation in your spirit. Amen, brother. Amen. God sees you right there, man. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's say yes to the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. You know what? Um, there's a gentleman in the back that has much more information that if you are curious about that and you just want to know more about what it means to have a personal uh, relationship with him, take the time today to kind of make your way back there and, um, and get some more information. Also, if you just need some time of prayer and you, you might be thinking, man, if somebody could pray for me, that'd be awesome. Um, these folks are here up this morning to pray uh, pray with you and pray for you. And, and so um, we're, we're blessed. We're blessed to see you. Uh, we're blessed to be here together as family. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that you're alive, uh, that you're a living Lord, and that we have a living hope, and we have a living dynamic. And it's all because of you. It's all because of you. Jesus, uh, we give you all the praise and all the honor. We thank you for even this opportunity in this time today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap this morning, please? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right, do two things. Number one, go by that table back there and sign up for one of those light groups. There's about eight of them, eight or ten of them. Go sign up. Don't sneak out of here without signing up. Be a part of what we're doing as family. I encourage you to do that. And uh, Wednesday night, we'll be showing the movie Rizzy. Y'all are all invited. God bless.
I mean that, or was that? This seems a little disingenuous. You know what, Joseph? Okay, I'm just going to say that. 